In honor of Christmas, I bring to everybody Larry's Serena Lights. You sure this is safe? Of course it is. I rigged it myself. <laughs> it's awesome! It's like a palace. And now, as they say in French, the peace of the resistance. This is going to be the best And welcome to Fun Sized Sequels, an offshoot of the Unloved Sequels podcast, where we take a short but sweet look at the straight to video sequels that even the studios didn't make that big a deal of. We're your hosts, Michael. Say hello. Hello, Merry Christmas. And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're running frantically from toy store to toy store, desperately searching for that elusive must have Christmas present. Again, Michael, it's a while since we've covered a straight to video release. What's no. the movie? So, Larry the Cable Guy wrestles with Arnold Schwarzenegger's only Christmas movie to remind parents that the holiday is for children and your misery is to please the little fuckers. This is Jingle All the Way too. So, this was a direct-to-video release. It was released on the 2nd of December 2014, 18 years after the original movies hit the cinemas. It had a budget of $5 million. Not a very big budget. It had stinks of low budget but we accept that it does it does it currently has a 31 percent audience score on rotten tomato but currently no critic scores probably due to the limited amount of mainstream reviewers that have had access to this movie or even yeah you don't tend to get um you don't tend to get critic scores on rotten tomatoes for straight to video release occasionally you do but yeah if it's like a mainstream but this is um this this was not that mainstream so I thought it was best to go back and look at Jingle All The Way to how this nightmare mm-hmm. completely started. So Jingle All The Way came out in 1996 and had a box office of $129 million against a budget of $75 million. That's not a great return. No. That's, that's not, not a massive return. That's an awful return because you've got to add a couple of like 20 to 30 million. And your marketing that goes on top of yeah. that budget, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's not a great how return. that they even bothered with a sequel then and then the writing tomato scores for the original critics is 19 percent, and audience is 38 percent. so you're like why why did you bother investing why? in this why why is the world existing but then i dived a little deeper because i thought oh let me just check what jingle all the way did on dvd sales is there a home market mm-hmm. for this yeah. So I couldn't go back further than 2020. But lucky for us, Jingle All The Way had a re-release in 2020, probably due to a Blu-ray release. Mm. And during that time, now this is also in the world of streaming, where this film is widely available on many platforms, or you can buy it digitally as well for not that much That's going to tie in with Disney's Plus launching as well, isn't it, 2020? Yep. It was released on DVD, and it, in its first week and a half, it sold 73,000 copies on DVD alone. It made an extra 645,000 onto that box office within... Wow. For a film that's 20-odd years old, that is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, yes. Okay, we were all stuck at home and couldn't go and see things in the cinema and couldn't go and see our families. 2020 was... That was COVID Christmas, wasn't it? But even with... Even still... 
Yeah, but this is all this all the shops were closed. So this is literally just online Amazon sale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, for a 20-year-old movie, that's... This isn't even like somebody walking around Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Walmart or Target or WH Smith's and going, oh, I need a stocking filler, mm-hmm. that will do. Because that Christmas... Yeah, didn't it's have not an impulse access. buy. People are searching for this movie. People have seen the re-release and gone, oh, that is nuts. Fair play. So that might be the reason why. There's obviously a demand for this movie on home release. So that's probably the reason why then 2014. Well, it's like the same thing. We talked about this with Annie, didn't we? And we touched on it with Hocus Pocus because Hocus Pocus is one that every year does really well on home home viewing. So I guess this is one of those. Back to 2014. This Mm -hmm. film did not perform very well in DVD sales. There's no figures. There's no Blu-ray figures for this out there. Was there in 2014, a massive Disney movie came out? I don't know if you remember what film came out in 2014. Hang on, give me a second. 2014. Let it go. Let it go. 100% correct. No, correct. Correct. Yeah. So Frozen was released, but it came out on home release in March. So during its original release, it was selling like 4 million units per a week on DVD and Blu-ray. So back in mm. March. So you would think that would trail off. And Disney realised it was trailing off towards Christmas. And Frozen is a Christmas movie. Well, I would call it a Christmas movie. I mean, it's not. But yes, I'll allow, I will allow people to believe it's a Christmas your, movie. Your, your window of what's established as a Christmas movie is very different. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, it is. I Frozen agree. is set in July. Frozen is set in the summertime. But it's snow. not a Christmas movie. But if people want to watch it at Christmas, have fun, and it, enjoy yourself. I'm not here and to it was release people's lives, but it's and not it was, a Christmas And it movie. was released. The release date is also important to me. If it's released during the seasonal period, then it is a Christmas movie yes. to me. That's, mm. what mar- that's what they're marketing for. They're marketing for that yes. release. Yes, I will so, allow it. In November that year, when the sales for it started to tail off and they thought they re-released it as a sing-along Blu-ray and DVD, what increased sales? They did. What increased sales by seven hundred and twelve percent? What bought in? It was then went on to sell every week up to Christmas two point five million units per week. So even if you got hinted that Jingle the Way Two was being released, you couldn't go into a store without seeing stacks of Frozen no. everywhere. No. Because their sales that was a stocking filler that year because people were just out there buying. Yeah, 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 for sure. What interests me also looking into this movie is DVD sales are still outselling Blu-rays and 4Ks even in today's world. So, Claire, do you have any behind-the-scenes facts for us? Well, no. Yes, I do. (laughs) I do have some stuff to tell you. There's not a great deal, though, because people don't like trivia nerds. I I mean, I will read up on any old shit. Don't like, I'd be quite happy to fall down a rabbit hole about this movie, but it would seem that all the other nerds on the internet are not so excited about this movie and don't want to write stuff down for me to find out. So there isn't a great deal to say. In terms of the cast, there's absolutely no crossover between the two movies. There is not a single person or character in the first movie who appears in the second movie. So our cast in this movie, we've got... Larry the Cable Guy playing Larry. Now, I had to look up Larry the Cable Guy because I've heard of Larry the Cable Guy, but I didn't really know 
who he was. For any British listeners who don't really get who Larry the Cable Guy is, he seems to me to be the American equivalent, kind of, of Al Murray the pub landlord. He is a character who has been created by a stand-up comedian. So Larry the Cable Guy, his name isn't even Larry. His name is Daniel Lawrence Whitney, but he doesn't go by that name. Um, Mm -hmm. He hasn't been known by that name publicly for a really long time. He was a stand-up comedian. Stand-up wasn't going so well for him. And he created this character of Larry the Cable Guy, who seemed to be more popular with audiences than his own persona. So he switched to Larry the Cable Guy. And so now professionally, he is always Larry the Cable Guy. So Larry the Cable Guy plays Larry. Quite easy to keep up with. We've got uh, Brian Stepanek as Victor who is the stepdad to Noelle, the daughter of Larry the Cable Guy. She's called Noelle to remind us that it's a Christmas movie. Very convenient. Uh, We've got Anthony Corelli, who is credited as Santina Morella, um, playing Larry's friend Claude. Now, this is the connection to WWE Studios because Santina Morella was a WWE wrestler. He retired the same year that this movie came out. He had quite a few neck injuries. He had surgery. So he had to retire from fighting um, probably quite early in terms of wrestling careers. So um, he was kind of put into this movie, I think, in an attempt to kind of launch an acting career. We've got little Kennedy Clements playing Noel, and we've got uh, Lauren K. Roebuck as Kristen Roebuck. Why, Why these people don't just use their names for their movies? I don't know. She's playing Trish the mum of Noelle, the ex-wife, the new wife, to the two male characters. This movie is directed by Alex Zam, who has such illustrious credits under his belt as Inspector Gadget 2, A Christmas Prince, A Royal Christmas, Christmas in Evergreen, Crown for Christmas. Do you see where we're going here? He also directed Tooth Fairy 2 and Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. So he has... He's kind of his niche seems to be straight to video sequels Sequels. and TV Christmas movies. And this is like the crossover of that Venn diagram. It's his holy grail. It is. Wow. Wow. There's a can you imagine? (laughs) This is this is his pinnacle. Larry the Cable Guy was in Tooth Fairy 2, though, wasn't he, as well? He was in Tooth Fairy 2, yes. So yeah. they clearly have a bit of a relationship going. I don't think he was in Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. No. But I quite like Inspector Gadget 2. That's quite fun. I'm trying to think if I've seen Inspector Gadget 2. I, I loved Inspector Gadget when it came out. Jingle All the Way mm. 2 was written by Steve Mazza, who wrote Liar Liar, and Randy Cornfield. Uh, Randy Cornfield has a based on Jingle All the Way written by credit. He also did the story on Eight-Legged Freaks. And then William Robertson was an uncredited contributing writer and he also worked on Inspector Gadget 2. I think he works with Alex Sam, the director, quite frequently because Alex Sam also has uncredited script work on Jingle All The Way 2. So in terms of how we got to this movie, based on what you've just been saying about, obviously, we've got this huge time period between the two movies. The first movie didn't perform amazingly well, but it's done all right on home release. I'm guessing the stars kind of aligned that they wanted a vehicle for Larry the Cable Guy. WWE wanted a vehicle for Santino Morella, and it kind of all fell into place, I think, in this movie. And it kind of, I haven't seen anything that confirms this online, but it smells a little bit to me like some of the other movies we've covered where they were making a movie and then someone went, 
this feels a very lot like Jingle All The Way. Do you think we should maybe try and make it a sequel so we don't get sued? Possibly. This is just my theory. But quite often when you have that huge gap and you've got a sequel that is completely unconnected to the original other than Mm -hmm. there's a few little story similarities, that's quite often what's happened, that they've made a movie like with Son of the Mask and then realised actually this is similar enough to that other movie that we need to either change our movie or tie them together so that it doesn't look like we're trying to rip them off. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah. So WWE Studios, this was not a, a, a... production company I was particularly aware of before this watching this movie it's a film studio it's owned by WWE the wrestling guys prior to formation of WWE studios there was WWF entertainment um, which as far back as 1989 produced the film No Holds Barred featuring Hulk Hogan so they kind of launched his entertainment and movie career and then WWE Studios ended up releasing that film on DVD in in 2012. WWF Entertainment co-produced The Scorpion King that's probably one of their um, most high profile releases because that was The Rock's first yeah it wasn't his first movie but it was his his first vehicle because he he appeared in uh, The Mummy Returns. That's correct. So then by 2002, just as the Scorpion King was coming out they were forming WWE Studios or that was WWE Films at the time um and it was basically them kind of because they already had various tv shows running down they had uh raw and smackdown on tv they were just trying to expand into more mainstream entertainment as well as the kind of niche wrestling based entertainment their most successful film to date um hasn't got nothing to do with wrestling at all it's a 2013 movie called the call which stars halle berry and abigail breslin is this a film you're familiar with it's a film i don't know it at all it's a thriller. Is it? It's it's on streaming quite a lot here. I think it's currently on Hulu. I've never seen it, but I tell you, my sister-in-law has, and she raved about it. It made in the region of $70 million at the box office, wow. which considering its budget was only $13 million, That's a good return. It's not bad. So that's, yeah, that's their kind of most successful film. Um, they've just... So production is just wrapped a couple of months ago on a remake of The Crow starring Bill Skarsgård, which um, is in post-production at the moment. Um, I don't think WWE Studios have been involved in producing it, but they have bought the rights to distribute in Benelux. Do you know, have you ever heard of Benelux before? No, it's not in the no, original song I, I looked this up. Where is it's, it? it? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it's in Europe. It's a socioeconomic union between Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg. I had never heard of this. No. Um, but those three countries, I guess because they're quite small countries compared to some of the other Western European countries, they've got this kind of socioeconomic union and it's got nothing to do with movies whatsoever. But WWE Studios have bought the rights to distribute this this crow this remake in that very movie. small part yeah they've kind of they, they've rather than having one company distribute worldwide they've got loads of different companies in different parts of the world so wwe studios have got that teeny tiny little bit of europe to release this movie in. but there's no release date as yet i'm quite intrigued though by a remake of the crow with bill skarsgård in terms of like trivia and bits and bobs and snippets of of knowledge on jingle all the way to there isn't a great deal but um, it does have some nice little callbacks to the first movie, although there's so there's no characters carrying over. There's no cast carrying over. There's it's set, I think, in a completely different part of the USA. Yeah. Um, there's very little apart from the essential plot that kid wants thing for Christmas. 
dad ties himself in knots trying to get a thing for Christmas. And there's another dad also trying to get the other thing. And so they end up having scuffles. That's yes. the similarity between the two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but they put in a couple of little throwbacks to the first movie as well. There's a bit where Larry punches the head off a Harrison bear cut out in the shop. That's a little nod to the same thing happens in the first movie. Um, yeah. Howard punches a uh, turbo man thing when he has a little tantrum about not being able to get the doll. And of course there's the scene, there's that little underground black market Christmas present scene yes. that we have in both movies where someone tries to hook them up with the doll and then they um, it ends up getting busted by the cops. Other than that, there's not that many kind of links between. There's a nice little um, nod to Anthony Corelli's WWE career, I guess, for those that follow, for those that are watching for him. Um, the scene where Larry and Claude ride the, the bucking Bronco bull to try and win the prize. Claude lasts one second on the bull. And that's because um, in the Royal Rumble, he lasted one second before he was eliminated. Whether he's proud of that, I mean, he must not mind it being referenced in the movie, otherwise I'm no. sure it wouldn't be in there. But I guess for those who follow his wrestling career, that's a nice little Easter egg for them. But that's kind of it in terms of what I can find out on this movie. So, Michael, yeah. how did you find this movie? What's your take on Jingle All The Way To? Mm, mm, uh, it exists. That's for sure. It does exist. It yes, does exist. it definitely exists. You know, what? although I, to be fair, I didn't know it existed until you suggested that we cover it. So it only Did just I suggest exists. This? I thought you suggested this. No, surely not. No, because I hadn't seen either of the movies before. No, doing but I think this. it was on one of those lists you send over to me. You get sometimes Claire sends. Oh, me did list. I just Google a oh. list of shit sequels and it came up and I was like, oh, let's do this. Yeah, I think when not we first realizing came up what with I was the... signing myself up for. Yeah, I think it was one of those uh, shitty one of those articles you get from BuzzFeed that says shitty sequels straight to DVD or whatever. And I think it's one of those. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, the yeah. BuzzFeed article. This was on the... So, yeah. I do. I love a listicle. <laughs> okay, well, then I take it back. I did know it existed, and then I forgot. <laughs> well, I will be after editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, it's quite interesting because the thing that I unpacked from this movie was it very much looks at the political landscape in America, you've got the working class, trailer living, middle American guy competing mm-hmm. with the rich 1% guy and the rich 1% guy is taking everything yeah. away from the poor working class. What is very much a image mm-hmm. of the Republican Party really pushes. Um, so, mm-hmm. And the hero of the story is a Republican guy, the working class guy living in a trailer who hasn't got much money. So it really does portray the most of the political outlook in America. Um, the target audience for this movie is middle America. Yes. So when I just watched this, I was very much kind of, it was quite an uncomfortable watch for me, but some aspects of it were quite entertaining. Uh, would I recommend it? Matt. Do you like the first? I would keep watching the original. The original, I think, is quite a good Christmas movie. It's quite fun. And you know, the thing I really, really disliked about it is how shit the toy was. Because I just did not understand. <laughs> what I was expecting you to say. The toy was shit. Yeah, but but well, it's when we were kids, though, do you remember Teddy Ruxpin? 
Can you rug spin? Mouse moved. It told stories, and it was actually like a little robot. This was just a cuddly toy with a voice box in it. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's like the Build-A-Bear with a voice box, isn't and it? Do, and the director did the voice in the bear. Yes, yeah, yeah, they did. They didn't get anyone no, like, like, in to do the voice. It was the director. Ah, oh, shit, we spent $5 million on producing a hundred of these frigging bears. Let's just, oh, we've got no voice actors and directors. Like, I'll do it, it's fine, I'll do all the voice work. Because obviously had to come up with all the catchphrases and stuff that the bear was mm. saying. But it exists if you're looking for a Christmas movie. It's there. You know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Claire, what did you think of it? I I was less bothered by this movie than you. I think yeah. that's partly down to um we talked about this uh, before we recorded because you you told me a lot of what you just said about how you felt about the movie. And I think I didn't see a lot of that that political dynamic in this movie because I don't live in America and so I think that's not my lived experience. That's not yeah. my day to day where you are you're more um immersed in that political landscape than I am I'm in the UK where we have our own political bullshit going on but it's not quite the same as the dynamic in this movie yeah um so I didn't see a lot of that in this movie I um yeah I it's to me it's a fairly inoffensive the kind of movie that would come on on a Sunday afternoon at Christmas time whether this is going to hit the TV schedules I would be surprised if it did but if it ever did I wouldn't object to it being on yeah. although like you said i think i would given the choice i would watch the first one yeah over this one because 100%. because the production values are, are higher and you can see it's had more money spent on it it's a bigger movie in that sense 70 million um, more than this one yes and i have to say i found larry the cable guy much more natural in this sort of role than i found arnold schwarzenegger even though I overall prefer the first movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a very much an acquired taste as an actor, I think. And he's got yeah. some iconic roles that he does very well in, but they are very um You mean when he plays a robot? performances. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah. He was a strange casting for that first movie, and it was clearly a a clout casting rather than a skill-based casting he was put in that movie to sell the tickets because he was a huge star at that point um but in terms of if comparing the performances side by side I actually I think Larry the Cable Guy is much more believable as that kind of well he's basically just playing himself for his kid yeah yeah well he's playing this the character that he has created this persona that he's created um for himself so yeah I think it's not a brilliant movie, but what did you expect? I think is probably my one sentence review. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it doesn't upset me. I, I don't think it would upset very many people. It's an, you know, it's sweet enough. It's got a lot of heart. The resolution is a little bit rushed for me. If we're going to be actually properly analyzing this movie, which I, I wouldn't recommend anyone does because I don't think it warrants several of no. thought. So Claire, how many Harrison Bears would you give Jingle All The Way To? Well, I wouldn't want any Harrison Bears for one because I think that shit would give me nightmares. <laughs> but uh, I, in my notes, I've I've put two. And then I'm thinking, 
in our last episode, I gave Disenchanted two and a half. And if Disenchanted is a two and a half, this isn't a two. So I'm going to just shave a, like half a teddy bear off. I'm going to cut that creepy ass bear in half. One and a half out of five. It's not terrible. It doesn't offend me, but it's it's not a great movie. No. How about you? Exactly. I'd probably give about a one. One little Harrison bear. Um, it exists. I It didn't bore me. I was entertained by it. Um, I don't really care that it exists or not. But <laughs> there is better Christmas movies out there. But if you like the concept of a dad running around pulling his hair out trying to find a toy for a child and that's your back, then sit back and enjoy it. You might enjoy it, you know. I think kind yeah, of But like, watch the other one first, though, because it's better. Or watch this one first and then reward yourself by watching the first one. <laughs> You survived Jingle All The Way too. Now you can watch Jingle All The Way. Congratulations. Enjoy. <laughs> so that's Jingle All The Way too for you. Listeners, tell us what you thought of the movie. You can leave us a comment. You can email us on unlovedsequels at gmail.com. And you can find us on all the socials at unlovedsequels. So guys, we'll see you again next week for another Christmas movie. I wonder which one it will be. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Michael. And from me, Claire. Take care, guys. Bye.